Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Believe in Lions. I'm your host, Derek Oakery, right here on the Believe Podcasting Network, Detroit's number one sports podcasting network. You hear me say it every week, but it's true. I believe in the Detroit Lions, and by the end of this episode, so will you. Let's get right into it. today. On today's episode, I, I'm just going to go point by point and talk about some, some major items um, the combine is just completing. You want you want to know what I think about the combine? <laughs> I am a draft nerd. I love the NFL draft. I love all that goes into trying to put this puzzle together and figure out these players and get to know their backstory, their athleticism. I swear, I turned on the combine all excited to track everything, watch it. I I, I couldn't take it. I really couldn't. I mean, for more time than I needed. I had Rich Eisen talking about football on a stick. I had Rich Eisen and my my other guy, Daniel Jeremiah, who I like a lot, super smart, super good guy. I'd love to be his um, you know, his his intern, his uh right-hand man. I mean, I, Bucky Brooks, I might have to you know, take him out of the equation to get that job. But uh, yeah, Daniel Jeremiah is a great guy. And it's just him and Rich Eisen up there trying to either crack each other up or make jokes about, I don't know. I mean, I like to laugh just as much as the next guy, but I couldn't take the combine this year. It was just, uh, I don't know. I mean, what what I love the most about it is you get little nuggets about the players. You actually get to see these guys with, with no pads on. You sort of get to put a face to a name you know, really understand them more than maybe what you saw on the football field. But like I said, I was so fired up for it. And by about, you know, after day one or so, I was just kind of, I'd watch it, but I wasn't too tuned in. I mean, what I took away from it is a lot of the players that I liked on tape or that I liked at the senior bowl. And I liked throughout the process seemed to do well. You know, there's a few guys that popped out, uh, you know, under the radar type of guys that, that I feel like have to be considered, um, you know, for Detroit Lions fans, I think you're you're just going to be dealing with that top, uh, you know, top few at the top of the draft. Which on today's episode, what we're going to do, I'm just going to get this combine off my chest, start the show. Um, I definitely want to talk about the whole Matt Stafford saga. It's been going up, down, everywhere. I just kind of want to get to the bottom of that. And then I'm going to jump into some PFF grades, both on offense and defense, as well as them as a team last year and where they're headed into 2020. And then I want to talk trades in this episode. You know, trades are the biggest thing on a lot of fans' minds right now. Who are the Lions going to trade for? You know, are, are they going to make a trade in the draft? Are they going to be aggressive and maybe make a trade with a Darius Slay or another football player this offseason to really kind of flip their football team? I think that's really important to consider. So we'll get into all that here in a moment. But like I said, with the combine, I mean, 
you know, Isaiah Simmons was big and ran fast, you know, not a big surprise. You know, Jeff Okuda, the biggest thing I learned about him was on a Good Morning Football interview where he just looked like a five-year pro, and this guy's never stepped on an NFL field before. He seemed to have great mentality, great maturity, as well as just a guy that I really am starting to buy into now as a guy you have to consider there at the top of the draft if he's there. You know, other guys, uh, smaller school guys, you know, the Kyle Duggars uh, from, um, <laughs> you know, uh, gosh, what is it? Um, Laurel Ryan or <laughs> gosh, I can't even remember the school. It doesn't matter. Like uh, Kyle Duggar, you know, he is nasty safety out of a no name school. He, he, he did well, you know, they're pumping him up. A couple of my buddies wrote me and said, oh, you know, Gandy Golden's going to be the next you know, Calvin, the next, you know, Kenny Galladay. I'm kind of like, man, this dude played at Liberty, bro. He's big. He looked pretty smooth, but not a guy I've got circled in red pen or that I'm targeting. You know, like I say, those top, those top guys uh, did well. I made notes on other guys, you know, that I'm keeping under the radar or guys that I like guys. You've heard me talk about here on the podcast or on my other podcast, the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. If any of you have not checked that out, that's me and my buddy Grifka talking lions uh, two times a week on Wednesday and Friday. So please check that out to hit that subscribe button. But like I said, there was just too much shenanigans with the combine. The stuff when I loved it is when you're getting those little, little nuanced items, either from Daniel Jeremiah or, you know, some of the other hosts that they have, you know, you got the Peter Schragers of the world that are just there blowing smoke saying everything is fascinating. That's that guy's favorite word. I swear. Peter Schrager just uses the word fascinating 10 times on every good morning football. Uh, make sure you watch for it. it. It'll bug you to death once you start listening for it, but he just uses that word ridiculously about everything. I don't know if somebody in a, in a Fox meeting told him he had to use it 10 times a day or what but not everything is fascinating there p shrags but um like i said a lot of people trying to blow things up and and the next thing i want to talk about is something that people try to blow up again at the combine you know mike silver where's he at now yahoo or you see him on nfl network or who knows where else he writes for this guy i mean you want to talk about annoying every time this guy opens his mouth sounds like he has laryngitis or some type of cold um you know flu that he's working through but mike silver just randomly throws out at the end of an nfl network oh i'm hearing from other gms that maybe it's matt stafford that doesn't want to be in detroit mike silver like <laughs> Like, just because you talk to your buddy at St. Elmo's or you think you're on the inside with the NFL and all this other stuff, don't just throw something out, like, randomly that within, what, probably a few hours later, Matt Stafford's agent had to come out and say he wants to be in Detroit. Matt Stafford's wife had to go post on Instagram, which she's been known to do, and say, nope, he wants to be here, you know, Detroit forever, whatever she said. It's like, you know... Gosh, all these credible sources have to put this to bed because Mike, Sil- Mike Silver, a round of uh, a plate of, you know, <laughs> uh, gosh, why is it escaping me too? What they eat at uh, good old St. Elmo's, the old shrimp cocktail. Uh, <laughs> around a plate of shrimp cocktail, he hears some shenanigans. He puts it on live TV and then everybody has to shoot it down, but. Uh, Here's my quick take on Matt Stafford, and this is going to be kind of an aggressive opinion as well, because what I think is happening is the guy's getting older, but he's not really old in regards to a quarterback. You know, Matt Stafford is 32-ish years old. He's uh, 
He's got himself basically in better shape than he was when he came in the league. And my opinion is that this guy still has that four or five year window. He's got three uh, kids now. We just heard recently he's got another one on the way. So four kids. He has played over 10 years in the NFL, which even for a quarterback is a, a good long career. But he definitely has years tacked on. So I, I don't think it's a matter of he can't play or he's too old. I think it's a matter of do we know what Matt Stafford is? By this point, you can probably peg him as a guy that is an incredible thrower of the football. A guy that when things are going well, he's got some moxie. You know, when he's putting up points, when players are making plays for him, when he's getting blocked up, you know, he he has moxie, talks a little trash. He's been known to run the football, get all excited about a little eight-yard run where he runs somebody over. We know that. We've seen that many a times, all the way back to his rookie year when he did it against the Cleveland Browns that brought us back all the way till the Dallas game and other games where he just... He looks like the absolute leader at quarterback this team has never had. And the thing that some people don't want to acknowledge is we've also seen him throw pick sixes and cost us games. We've seen him just play terrible in Chicago or up in Minnesota and just not even give us a chance to win. So my mindset is, do we know what he is? Is he, is he, is, let me see, how do I say that? (laughs) He is what he is. You know, we know, um, we just know the situation. I mean, like everybody's acting like, you know, that, Oh, it's never his fault. It's always the running game, the defense, the special teams. Oh, we don't have an offensive line. You know, Oh, the, now the defensive line is ravaged. So that means Matt Stafford can't win. I think at the end of the day, if you put a really good solid football team around number nine, he's healthy and his stuff is going well, means they're winning ball games He's he's able to throw the football around the way he likes to. Hey, he's he's a top eight quarterback in the NFL. The minute things go wrong, the minute he has an injury, I mean, nobody wants to bring this up, but I'll be the guy to do it. I mean, how long did he labor with the, the broken pinky or the uh, or the strained knee or the the you know some of these injuries that they bring him up and they say he fights through him, how tough he is. Sometimes I look at him and go, why you got a glove, a splint and, and two other devices on your pinky. Like we've had people play with torn ACLs, you know, and they don't have as much, you know, gear on as you do trying to fight through this pinky or this index finger injury. So it, it always seems like it's something, you know, when this guy gets dinged up uh, again, I love the way he throws the ball around the yard. I think he's smart. I think he can help this team win. But I also sit there and sometimes wonder if a change would get us to that next level. Like sometimes a guy just has all the talent in the world, but just doesn't have that something in him that wins at the highest level or that brings his team up around him or that galvanizes the whole organization. And yeah, you always hear about Matt Stafford. He's in the facility. Hey, Matt Stafford is always watching tape. He's a great leader. You know, uh, what's what's Matt Pat's uh, classic phrase in the media? I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm blessed to have Matt Stafford. Like, come on, man. I feel like he's your quarterback. You should treat him like Belichick treats Tom Brady. Like, ride him harder than anybody else on your team so that everybody else will fall in line from there. So, all this trade rumors, Here, here's where I sit on it. I, I don't see Matt Stafford getting traded at this point. You know, um, 
I feel like the salary cap numbers make no sense. I feel like Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia have done everything in their power to go out of their way to say it's 100% false with two, maybe three exclamation points. You've got Matt Patricia saying on Good Morning Football that this is comical and just brushing it off. You know, I feel like if he didn't have such a crazy $10, $12 million cap hit to move him, it may be more of a consideration. But I think they're trying to really set this team up to give this guy, a, gosh, a two- to four-year chance to win. If he can't get it done with a little bit better talent, then they're going to move on to another quarterback. And everything's going to start over from square one with the Detroit Lions, which everybody acts like is this you know doomsday. And I feel like, you know, we've got Matt Stafford right now at a, at a, at a solid contract number when you really look at the landscape of the NFL. He can make every throw. He's a good leader. He's not going to cause you any issues off the field. All that you have going for you. The the little caveat I want to throw in is because Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia have been so glowing and been so like odd about like calling the media over and telling them like this is not happening. You know, I don't know where it came from. You know, make sure you write some articles. He's not being traded. There's something weird with that with me that maybe like because they're being so over the top with the support that they could bring in a Tua and 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 redshirt him and see how things shake out. They could bring in a, a Jordan Love or somebody in the second or third round that they feel like could be the next guy and then say, all right, like you're our guy. But if you stumble, if you're hurt, if you got some issues, we got our backup plan right here and we're not afraid to go to that backup plan. If that backup plan is better than what you're giving us from a leadership standpoint or from a production, you know, on the football field, we'll move on in 2021. You know, that, that could be something they do. Now, everybody that loves Matt Stafford and thinks he can never do anything wrong, just wants them to totally ignore that hundred percent and act like he's going to be perfectly healthy for the next half decade. And just go draft, defense, corner, you know, rush end, linebacker, you know, all this stuff that they think is going to get us over the top. But the easiest way to get over the top in the NFL is to get a game-changing quarterback that has crazy leadership skills, the ability to win in the highest moments, which we've all seen from the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. That one draft pick changed their whole franchise, and they've built around that and uh, look where it's got them, Super Bowl championship. And we've seen that in other places like Seattle as well, where they uh, went that route with a young leader and built a team around them, and it worked well. So I'm in support of keeping Matt Stafford. I think there could be something funky going on where at the last minute when they have everybody thinking it's a done deal that Matt Stafford's your quarterback, they pulled the old okey-doke, and they sub him out for a... Um, not sub him out, like keep him because of the salary implications, but put a guy right on his heels, put a guy that's a baller, put a guy that has crazy skills that he can be there in case of injury. And also, Hey, if you're not playing top football, you know, we'll move on from you at mid end of this year. And we're definitely moving you in the off season or letting you go or whatever the situation is to get our salary cap in even better shape and turn the page on the next quarterback for the Detroit Lions. So that's my thought on Stafford, but it's crazy how everybody's just making up things and saying everything. And it just feels like 
he's going to be here regardless, but we'll see if they pull something either on draft day or just before to make a move. And we're also going to talk about those draft day trades as we get to the back half here. So let's take a quick pause. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about uh, PFF grades for the Lions and what that might mean moving forward into 2020. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. So as a lot of you guys know, oh, real quick before I get into that, let me just go ahead and, and, and do this once again, which I was going to say it off the top, but I want to say it right now. I just want to thank everybody for the support right here on the Believe Podcast Network for Believe and Lions. And again, that's spelled B-L-E-A-V, Believe in Lions. Uh, really appreciate everything. I talked to a couple of the execs over at the Believe Podcasting Network. And uh, they were happy with the, uh, the shows I've been pumping out as well as the support you guys have been given listening and kind of interacting with me on Twitter and different things. If you want to do that, want to give me a follow or, or send me some football questions or talk Detroit Lions or Michigan Wolverines or any other kind of sports, fantasy football, whatever it may be, you can hit me up at Derek O'Cree. That's D-E-R-E-K. O-K-R-I-E on Twitter. And again, just thank you a ton. One thing you can do that really helps out the show is to go on iTunes and leave us a review if you think we've earned it, where you go on there, takes less than two minutes to do. Just give us uh, hopefully a five-star rating and give a quick little uh, comment there about what you like about the show. That really helps us get seen by more people as well as uh, just keeps us moving up the charts. There is one of the one of the known Detroit Lions podcasts out there. That's definitely one to do is keep building this thing please hit that subscribe button go to itunes spotify google play um, we're on stitcher we're on i uh, tune in sorry we're on tune in as well as basically any other podcast platform you could find out there um, appreciate if you just hit subscribe that way you'll get the show um, this show always drops first thing monday morning um, it'll be ready anytime you get up before you head to work uh, hit that subscribe button you can just hit that download button and, and have it right there on your your ride in or anytime you want to give it a listen really appreciate that and again if you want to advertise i know we've been uh, looking into some different advertising options you can go to believe.com and check out their contact page and get a hold of them. And they'll be able to let you know how uh, how you maybe advertise either on this show or any of the other great podcasts they have. Which is over two to 300 podcasts on all different topics, sports and otherwise. So definitely check that out. So want to get all, that off the top before we dive into this PFF stuff. So as most of you know, um, as you check out my... Uh, Twitter bio and whatnot. I'm trying to kind of build my platform when it comes to um, working in the in the realm in the industry of football on different levels. So I was able to, you know, um, sign on and work as part of PFF's team this last year. I got to do a lot of great things when it comes to, um, you know, working on the different teams and processes that they have when it comes to analyzing the game as well as kind of breaking down all the tape and things that they do there which is really interesting to figure out like I said I was a rookie so I kind of um, you know had to learn the ropes as well as uh, get my get my hands dirty in there but uh, be coming into year two here I'm excited about that I don't talk about it a ton but that's really something I've enjoyed as well as I also write uh, articles for USA Today Lions Wire you can check those out where I talk about um, fantasy football is basically what I did last year. I'm hoping to write some more Lions articles here this offseason as we head into the draft and afterwards. And then next year, um, as the season kicks off, we'll see. Um, basically, last year I did all fantasy football throughout the year with some Lions um 
you know, items mixed in. And then I also did some live Twitter chats where like a few games I picked during the year, I would do a Lions Wire Live, which is where everybody could use that hashtag and get at me on Twitter. And I would kind of live tweet the game about what was going on as well as interact with uh, all Lions fans that wanted to do so. So that was a lot of fun. But like I said, I don't talk a ton about my PFF uh, job, but it is fun. I do enjoy it. And I wanted to dive into some of the numbers here. So I want to get into a little bit of the offense and defense. And what I want to do is just give you some overall grades um, of some of the players that graded well, graded poorly, and maybe where they're headed in 2020. So we'll go ahead and dive into this. Um, let's talk first about some of their team grades when it comes to, to games for the season. So some of their overall grades, like, you know, they, they ended up they ended up beating the Los Angeles Chargers, um, but only had a 58.7 grade as overall for a team. So that that's not a good overall grade, but to come out with a W that shows, you know, some good stuff by the Lions. I guess I should start actually with that Cardinal game, excuse me, where they were a 70 grade um, and again, tied that football game. So I've had many discussions with friends and whatnot that we basically played really well in that game just because we tied. You don't throw all that out. Um, looking at some of the other top rated games, uh, Philly, you know, 76.9. We were able to get a dub in Philly. That was great. Um, came back, had the Chiefs in Ford Field, put up another 75.8 as a team, which is really respectable. Um, felt uh, fell just short in that game. And then also put another one, in, uh, another good game together in Green Bay, 73.3. Um, actually got that game basically stole by the officials. So, you know, Four out of the first five games, the Lions are 70, 75 uh, overall rating when it comes to their team score, when it comes to PFF. Now, again, Matt Stafford's still healthy at this point. You know, we have a not-so-good game at home against the Vikings, only 61.7 grade. Uh, we end up beating the Giants, which, again, didn't play great, but played, you know, good enough to win in that game, 67.4. And then the Raider game, where Matt Stafford hurt himself right at the end, basically were, were knotted up throughout that game, just came up a little bit short, 71 in that football game. So that to me is the season, the first nine games. You know, I'm looking at it now for six out of those nine, you know, he had over a 70 overall grade. Two clunkers kind of where you're in the the – 50s low 60s and then one that's kind of an average game where you're a little below 70 but not too much so that to me that's the season after Matt Stafford went down and all the other injuries they were trying to fight through I mean you start seeing scores like 59.8 against the Bears I mean you're going 53.7 against the pay uh, against the Packers which actually they they should have and would have hopefully won that game but we didn't want it to impact the draft status so they ended up coming up short in that one and then a lot of low 60s a lot of low 60 scores throughout nothing too much to be excited about after that week nine game against the oakland Raiders. um so th those are kind of some team grades to think of now when you look at those i mean you're kind of thinking like well you know well, what does that give me that just shows you like between um you know, offense, defense, running game, uh, pass by, all those different scores that PFF uh, goes through. I mean, they basically have to come up with that overall score. I mean, you're looking at literally probably 15, 20 categories that they use to put a grade on, which then gives you that overall. And 
that just reminds me. I mean, the Lions did not play that bad in the beginning of the season when they had their offense was cooking, the defense was hurt and could have been better, and it just never got around to it. So when you go ahead and you look at some of the defensive players, let's start on that side of the football. This is what shows you that we have some things to build on. You're looking at right here, Trey Flowers, our $18 million man. He, he had an overall defensive grade of 83 throughout the season. I mean, that's more than respectable. That's on the high end, and that's a guy that was battling through a shoulder injury. Tracy Walker's grade for the 2019 season, 73.5. Um, this guy's an up-and-coming football player and, uh, you know, had his had his struggles at times, but it's not like he graded in the 50s or 60s. He in the mid-70s, which hopefully kicks that up into the mid to low 80s here in 2020. Let's look here. Who else we got? The old vet Tavon was up over 70 for his grade. Armani or Oruorier, uh, almost had it on the first try. Uh, A.O., oh baby. Uh, he's got a, over 70 as well with limited snaps. Um, Devon Kennard is up there. You know, I'm looking through. Uh, everybody bangs on, you know, Romeo Quara, but he's in the middle of the pack here. I mean, he didn't have the splash sacks throughout the year. But, I mean, his run defense was up in the mid-60s. His, uh, let's see, see his, his pass rush was near 60. So, you know, in comparison to other football players, he's, he's, he's right there in the top 10, actually, of overall players, which kind of says something about how our overall defense played. But just going through, I mean, Justin Coleman got paid a boatload of money. He's in the 60s, which needs to get better. Jelani Tavai, first-year rookie, 60.5 for the season, so he could be a lot better. People wondering why they traded Quandre Diggs. I mean, right here it has him at a 58.7, so, you know, he's just was was not getting it done. We'll see what they do with that fifth-round pick. You know, everybody's just going crazy over Darius Slay. I mean, I got him right here at a 56.4, um, you know, defensive grade for the season so 56.4 is not good for a guy that wants 18 plus million dollars a year or somewhere in that range so um you know my boy will harris who's a rookie uh, he's he's toward the bottom third here 55.3 everybody wants to just write him off already he's got to play better there's no question but i believe b-l-e-a-v that uh he can step up and be better than that you know, a lot of the players here at the bottom are guys that aren't going to impact our team. Um, you know, the people that everybody wants to bang on, Christian Jones and Jared Davis, yeah, they, they did not have good overall seasons. I, I still think they do things well. But, yeah, they're checking in here at 43.9 for Christian Jones and 40.4 for Jared Davis. Uh, Jared Davis also had, you know, um, injuries throughout the year and uh, did take a step back. But, Again, not really just writing him off completely. So, I don't know. There's uh, there's things, I think, to build on on the defensive side of the ball when your top guys are Trey, T-Walk, A.O., um, Devin Kennard, and, and then you get down into the guys that will step up, which are the Coleman's, the Tavai's. Um, you know, Slay's got to have a better score than that if he's going to be here on this football team. So that's just something to consider when you're looking at uh, PFF grades on defense. Let's go to the offensive side of the ball. The number one offensive uh, score for the year from PFF was four. 
Drum roll, please. <laughs> I don't have a sound effect for it, unfortunately. Marvin Hall. <laughs> Marvin Hall, every time he touched the ball, almost went to the to the window, to the wall, uh, because Marvin Hall was special, man. Every time he caught it, he was doing something big, which was cool to see. I really liked that. But, uh, again, he's not, a, he's not a full-time player. So let's, let's look at the next few on this list, which, again, has to give people uh, absolute excitement as well as put some of the – the rumor in Uendo to bed, the number two overall rated player was Matt Stafford at 82.4. That's tremendous when you're talking about your quarterback, even though he only played half the season. The next player under him, Kenneth Galladay. Kenny Galladay, 79.9. I mean, it's about, about ready to go over 1,210-plus uh, touchdowns before he injured himself in that final game. Hmm, looky here, the guy that everybody wants to bang on over there, left tackle, Taylor Decker, uh, a 75.5 for your left tackle. I mean, we know he's getting ready to come into that contract decision where he's going to make a lot more money, and when you do that, you're a lot more expected. I don't know that the Detroit Lions will keep him around long term, but hey, for as much as he gets hated on sometimes, he's the uh, fourth overall rated player on offense as well as a, a guy that protects the quarterback's blind side. So Frank Ragnow checks in just behind him at 74.9 overall. And um, let's see, we got Graham Glasgow right under him, Marvin Jones, uh, Bo Scarborough with a really respectable 72.1. Danny Amendola, who we re-signed. Everybody seemed to love what he brought. He's definitely pretty old when it comes to a, a smaller slot type receiver, but um, 71.5 and, and happy to have him back there. Cause I think when you can grow three, three wides, Marvin, Kenny and Danny, as well as bring in some young talent, you can really stretch defenses and, and make plays. Sometimes when you have that one stud with nobody around them or two guys that aren't very good, I think is when you struggle in the passing game. Carry uh, on Johnson, 66.7. He, I mean, he's got to be better, but that's not bad when he was in there. Obviously, people say, well, he barely played. Yeah, he had another injury-riddled season, which, you know, is an issue. But when he is out there, he's nearing the 70 range, and that has to be considered. Um, to me, this is the wild card for the Detroit Lions of 2020. TJ Hawkinson. Um, they spent a high draft resource on this guy, and I feel like... I love some things I saw from him, and there's other times I felt like, man, I, I don't see a, a tr crazy competitor, you know, in this guy, just the way he looked and the way he acted on the field. He, he has a 35.2 in pass blocking here. I mean, the, the main reason I wanted TJ Hawkinson was I thought, okay, yeah, he can catch, he can do some things, he, he looks athletic, but I, I liked him in the, in, the, in the run game, in the blocking game. I mean, run blocking, he was 60.8, but when they put him in there to help out in pass protection, 35.2 is inexcusable, man. Get, get a burr under your saddle and, and get somebody blocked, would you? Um, so, you know, maybe it was the concussion, maybe it was just him being a rookie, but he's got to be a lot better to justify what we brought him in. And I think it's there. It's just a matter of, you know, will he get that intensity and will he get that ability to not just scheme him open? He needs to just beat people off the ball and find a way to make those catches like the great tight ends do in the league right now. Will himself sometimes to get an open as well as once you get the football, you're just not going to be taken down. You're going to get those extra yards. So Ricky Wagner, a lot of people like to beat up him and say cut him. I mean, 59, that's that's not what you want for a $10-plus million 
right tackle. A lot of the guys here at the bottom, you know, nothing too much to to worry about. I mean, Ty Johnson is a guy that we drafted in the, I think he was a sixth round pick, um, pretty pretty you know early to mid mid sixth. So it's kind of a flyer, but he has a lot of things you like: size, speed. You know, just seems like he had a good head on his shoulders, made some plays in the preseason. He had a really rough season. I mean, 51.2 overall. 25.8 in pass blocking. I mean, just not what you want to see from your third. Basically, he was at times he was our top running back. At times he was our number two. I mean, in a perfect world, he's three four for me with some juice. But we'll see what happens. And then Travis Fulgham, who everybody forgot about, was the receiver we took in the sixth round, a guy that can block. Uh, you know, made some catches in the preseason. He just 49 grade overall. He had a 70.6 in pass blocking, but and a 92.8 in run blocking. I mean, so he did his thing run blocking. They just didn't really get him the football. When they did, he didn't he didn't make the plays that you would hope for. But I, I think don't write off Travis Fulgham just yet. I mean, I think he could find his slot there in the uh, the wide receiver position, whether it's number four, five, six, whatever it is. You know, I think he still has a place on this football team, especially when you put a draft resource. You don't want to give a guy a what he play a few games towards the end, spend a lot of time on the practice squad. You don't want to just write this guy off as like, oh, he he can't play. I mean, yeah, he hasn't even had the chance yet. So we'll we'll see what what Fulgham and those guys do. I mean, I think there's some guys. One, one guy I want to highlight real quick too are Joe Dahl and Tyrell Crosby. Joe Dahl here with a 64.9, you know, better pass blocking, pretty poor run blocking grade. I mean, that's pretty much the Lions line in a, as a whole, you know, good at pass blocking, can't run block worth a damn. Uh, Terrell Crosby was a guy we took in the fifth round, seemed like a good value pick. He's never really totally got his chance when he's been out there. He seemed decent. I mean, 62.4 and run and pass basically even. So, I'm hoping that, you know, Terrell Crosby can have a bigger role or be that right tackle, you know, if they do move on from Rick Wagner. But, you know, he hasn't totally shown it to me yet, which is fine. You know, normally I'm trying to project forward. I'm trying to see what he could be rather than what he has shown in limited action. But I also don't know if we have a stalwart there or not. But we'll we'll definitely see. So I just want to give you guys some of those grades. Sometimes you hear all these people say so-and-so is terrible. The numbers don't always back it up. PFF is obviously not perfect, but it is a really good gauge of where these guys are at because they watch every play of every game, you know, across the board and grade these guys accordingly. So, you know, they're not just like you'll see some of these analysts or people on podcasts or whatever. They never even watched a player, you know, and they'll tell you what the Detroit Lions are like. They never even watched a Detroit Lions game. They couldn't even tell you, you know, four or five players on the team yet they think they're going to give you some analysis of what's going on like the guys at pff and the things that i got to do last year it really gives you a tremendous feel for the game as well as you definitely know a lot more when you're talking about a player maybe a team maybe a scheme whatever it may be you really can speak to it on a different level so want to give you guys some of those numbers you can have fun with those if that's what you like and let's get into our final topic here today on believe in lions and that's trades Trades are one of my favorite things. I mean, I do it all the time in fantasy football. I'm not a guy that will go out and badger people for trades, but I always say I'm open to trades. You heard Bob Quinn come out recently in his press conference and say he's never seen a trade he doesn't like. My retort was, you really haven't seen many trade downs that you liked because you haven't done many, but you're always moving up for a player that you have highlighted 
um, in your head or some guy you loved in a meeting or whatever it may be. I mean, some of those have turned out to be really good football players. Other ones have have pretty much been reaches where you could have waited and played the board or traded down, got more picks. Instead, you just took your guy like he did with Hawkinson or like he's done in the you know second round where he's moved up for a couple players and, and things like that. So, you know, when you're talking about Bob Quinn, like, I like saying that you just, you're open for any trades, whatever, but I think you have to be reasonable. So again, putting it to fantasy football, my example, what I do is just tell people I'm open to trading almost anybody for the right price. And, and that price people say like, well, give me a, tell me what you're looking for. And I'll say like, you know, you, you want them to start out with an offer. So they send you an offer. And if, if it's anywhere close to what you think is value for that player or those combo of players, then you continue to negotiate or whatever. But sometimes you have to bring your price down a bit to get a deal done. Sometimes you have to be, you know, crafty and how you, how you value and how you hold to that value to get the absolute most for a certain player, draft pick, whatever it may be. So there's, there's a lot of things swirling about the Detroit Lions when it comes to trades. I feel like when you're looking at it, that number three pick overall, to me the best case scenario is to sit there, make everybody wait, think, see what you're going to do. But come draft day, have some trades kind of prearranged with either Carolina or Oakland. Those are my two um, absolute you know dream scenarios because the reason they're my dream scenarios is because it's farther down than trading with the Dolphins. So you're moving back farther, which most people are like, well, what do you want? That's not good. You want to go down a few and still, yeah, but you're not going to get as much. If you go to seven or you go down to the Raiders at, I think they're at 12 and 18, you can move back that far and get more for the pick because the team's coming up more. That's why I would like to do that deal more. Um, Carolina has a lot of second and third round picks which are my favorite, you know, those are right in the sweet spot when it comes to money, as well as the type of player you're going to get, especially in a loaded draft like this. Um, but, you know, everybody's talking about Miami. I mean, I feel like Miami has the most draft resources, but if they're only coming up two spots, you'd be lucky to get, you know, one of their firsts and maybe some some extra change on the back end, whether it be a second rounder, a future, future pick, you know, some things like that. Um, so, you know, Miami, Carolina, Oakland are your three main trade partners. You know, I can't really see New England wanting to come up that high, even though, like, the Lions only seem to trade with New England. So I wouldn't write that off. But I, I feel like when you're talking trades, like, it's going to come down to draft day. You're going to be on the clock. And it's going to be, can Bob Quinn make a deal? You know, he either should have one done beforehand or if he's got people calling, this is when your metal is tested. You don't just sit there and wait the clock out and say, oh, we had some discussions. We had some interest, but we decided just to take, you know, whoever it is at this point. Like you just sit there. I guess I'm on board with taking Jeffrey Okuda. I feel like he's the the best position of value, meaning like, you know, corners get paid a ton of money right now. It's a passing league. The kids seem polished. He's seen no nonsense. He's got all the measurables and things you want. So I've kind of come around that if I'm stuck at three, I'm probably taking Okuda. Now I've said on other podcasts, I'm not writing off Tua because I feel like if you really want to call people's punk card and if you really want to protect yourself for the future, you go ahead and get that quarterback to either 
put people on notice that thought you weren't going to take him. Oh, man, they took him. Now we really got a pony up to get him away from Detroit, which people say, like, oh, you know, you never draft a guy and are able to trade him now. Uh, it hasn't happened much. You know, I don't know that that's because you can't. I just think it's once people take people, they usually are happy with them. Whereas if you take them knowing that you then want to hold people hostage, it can be done. Um, so that that would be really interesting if they took him and then moved him. Or if they took him, you said, hey, we got a great quarterback here, Matt Stafford. Learn under him. Get yourself healthy. Compete your butt off. And the best man will win. The best man will play. I think that could be a really interesting scenario. And the reason I don't write it off is because at three, I don't think you should be taking you know, people that are much farther down on the board just to quote-unquote fill a need. You want to sit there and take the best rated player and you say, well, quarterback's not a position of need. And, and and to me, it's always a position of need, especially when you have a quarterback with the back issues, with being a little older. I'm not writing him off as some old quarterback. He's not 35, 36. He's 32. So age to me is as much of a factor as just if you want to protect yourself and turn the, turn the page, you're not really hurting yourself with taking a quarterback there at three because you still have, you know, six other rounds you still have multiple picks in those rounds so you know you i showed people on twitter i did a draft where i took Tua and i took like defense and offense with my other picks it, it worked out pretty well i mean still walked away with lots of positions of need filled not knowing what they do in free agency by the time you get to the draft you should basically have a lot of your needs pretty much filled to some degree meaning like hey we went out we got an offensive guard we got ourselves a corner we got ourselves maybe a linebacker that can can play you know multiple positions. Um, you know maybe they maybe they get a free agent running back of of some sort. So you go into the draft just saying like you know if worst comes to worst we don't have to pick a position because we have some players at these spots. Now if we can better those with draft picks we'll do so. If not we'll go ahead and take the best player. But again getting back to trades I feel like you know. That, that's going to be the biggest thing that can help the Lions both in 2020 and moving forward is to trade that top pick, not be afraid to trade down in other rounds. I mean, you don't want to walk away. You're not going to, like some of these mocks people do, they're walking away with 12, 15 players in a draft. Like, that's not reasonable. But if you got seven rounds, if you're getting nine to 11 type football players, that's not unrealistic. That's a lot. That's a high, high end. I think I was looking at 2019 and like the the Vikings, I think, had, you know, 11 some draft picks, maybe 12, whatever it was. A lot of the other teams are anywhere from seven to seven to nine is kind of the average range. So I think you really want to get towards that high end. You want to bring in really young, really cheap, really good football players. And you want to use that top pick and you're picking in the top of every round. There's no reason you can't move down in certain rounds if you don't love a player. If there's a lot of guys on your board that you like, move down, get more picks, get future picks, whatever you got to do. I just feel like they haven't done enough of that. They've kind of been moving up for targeted players or they've been moving down in the later rounds, you know, four, five, six. Yeah, you can move around in four, five, six, but where you really get the value is moving down in rounds two, three, even round one, top around one is where you really make a killing, right? You could trade down with, with Oakland and take 12 and 18 and, and maybe something else. So that That's that's where you start making, hey, you could trade with Carolina, take their, their, their pick at seven, their second rounder, their third rounder, and to get another fifth. I mean, th- to me, that's really where you're doing some damage. So I'm really excited about that. I feel like I'm going to be disappointed if we just pick at our selection in each round this year. 
I feel like it's a perfect chance to trade down to better the football team on multiple levels. And I'm super excited to see if Bob Quinn can do it. I mean, don't talk about it. Be about it. You know, go ahead and, and say, man, we had some discussions. when, And, yeah, we were able to get a deal done with Oakland. That was great. You know, they get their quarterback moving into Las Vegas and that new stadium, and we get these three other football players that they can walk up to a podium you know, after after the draft uh, day one and two. I mean, I think that would be super exciting for the the team and the city. Everybody always wants that trade down. So we'll see if they get it. If not, I'm more on board with Jeff Okuda or Jeffrey Simmons or Isaiah Simmons than I was previously. I think they could sit and be happy with either of those players. Derek Brown I love a lot, especially if you could get that Derek Brown-Marlon-Davidson combo. In order to get that combo, is I think you're going to have to trade down Hope that you get a Derek Brown at seven, and maybe you can get his boy Marlon Davidson at uh, early in the second, whatever it may be. You know, we'll see how all that shakes out. But uh, come on, Bob Quinn, make a trade down, make us all happy here in Detroit. So that's what I got for you guys today on Believe in Lions. We talked about uh, kind of the ridiculousness of the combine, as well as you know just some of the things I gleaned from it. Um, talked all about Matt Stafford. He's the most important player on this football team now, and probably in the near future. We, we broke down some PFF scores and we talked about uh, the trades, trades that could be possible, trades that are super important to this team when it comes to the draft and otherwise. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Thank you for believing or for always being on Believe, B-L-E-A-V, and Lions. Uh, always fun to talk with you guys, get you guys pumped about 2020 and why you should believe in this team. So thanks. Take care, everybody. I'm out. I believe, I believe, I believe. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.